you know, this week, I, I'm just soaking it all in. Um, you know, just seeing all the fans, seeing all the players, you know, walking the walk. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Well, 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 after months of speculation and rumours and all kinds of stuff, we now know the identities of the players who will be taking part in the inaugural Live Golf Series event. Should they be pilloried? Should they be banned? Or is it time to live and let live? We'll be discussing that on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Hello, Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. As I mentioned, yes, it is an interesting time to be working in the golf industry. The Live Golf Invitational Series, event number one, taking place at the Centurion Club next week. We're eight days away from balls in the air. And now at least we know who's going to be playing. So no surprise we're going to be getting into that on this week's episode. And there's other stuff too. If you're feeling a little bit live-weary, don't worry. It's not going to be our sole focus. There's a lot more to get into. Bryce Ritchie, Bunker Editor, sitting opposite me. This is the day you've been waiting for, Bryce, is it not? The announcement of the Live Golf Field. We're going to come to all that in a second. But first of all, we need to deal with the really, really important matter of you going to see Top Gun Maverick tonight. Massive. How excited are you? Huge. Had the Top Gun theme tune on in the house this morning. Is that the one that Joe Satriani? No, Steve Stevens. Oh, right. Okay. That's an end joke. That's an end joke. <laughs> that goes back a lot. I go back, that goes back 18 years and 50 pounds. Yeah. So. Yep, 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 yep. yeah. But you're going tonight, you're finally going to catch up and see what all the fuss is about. Yes, excited. I'm a bit apprehensive now about missing the football because if quite a few people are a bit upbeat about that. Yeah, the Scotland Ukraine World Cup yeah, qualifier. So I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure I share that optimism. But you know what? Cinema for me, nachos, cheese sauce, jalapenos. You're that guy. Salted popcorn. Oh sorry, nachos and popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely huge. <laughs> and I'm having a curry tonight before I go. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going with? The wife. Is she as excited as you are? Not at all. So what's the penance going to be for this? Because presumably it's a little bit of give and take. No, none of that. That's what marriage is, it's compromise. No, it's no. It's a fair marriage. We actually do love each other, so there's no give and take. I don't know, you might need to look at that in your own life. uh, Oh, we're good. All right, we're good. I've I've ripped up my plans for tonight. I know. To look after my unwell wife, so yeah, yeah, we're, we're all good. So Top Gun Maverick, I look forward to hearing your thoughts about it. I'm Should sure the listeners are looking forward to hearing your we, thoughts we, about it. To be honest, we could do a special pod on it. Maybe we will. Yeah. We'll see. We played golf last week. If you were listening to last week's episode, you would have heard that Bryce and I were playing our first event. Event? First round. We've got events on the brain. It's just that time of year. It's June now. It's bloody June and it's freezing outside. Know, which Christmas. links back nicely to how our round went last Thursday with Lewis and Dexter, two of the new lads in our team, we take them up to TPC. Bryce, explain. Explain what happened, if you would. It was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that it was going to be 70 mile an hour winds mm. and minus eight wind chill. It started off okay, and then I mm. thought, it's a wee bit chilly. Put my jacket on, and I took it off in the third, and then when I think I got to the seventh, I thought, I don't really want to be here anymore. Well, we made the call, didn't we, to to knock it on the head after 12 holes, was Uh it? But there was, actually, struggling to remember 
where I noticed it, but Dexter, <laughs> Dexter, our videographer, oh, no. our very talented videographer, I have to say, turned up. So I, I feel wrong that we're going to slate De- Dexter, and he deserves it. Mm-hmm. But I actually feel as though it's his father that deserves the public You're going shaming. After the dad. I'm going after his dad because he turned up with iron head covers, <clears throat> and I think that ruined the night. It did. I was offended. Don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah it, it it hit me yeah. hard. And I'm proud to say that he lost one of them. <laughs> lost. Lost, yeah. So I, uh, I, I was going to text the TPC committee. And then I thought, no, what? Stuff him. Because if he loses one head cover, it looks a bit weird. So you just have to take all the other ones off. If anything, you're doing him a favour by and now. He had to te- look for it. Yeah, he had to tell his dad that he'd lost one. His dad was a bit miffed. But he, and then he said, you know Bryce and Michael weren't too happy that I turned up with covers. <laughs> His dad was like, I'm old. Yeah, but your clubs are not old. So I thought it was disrespectful. That's a weird excuse. I've I got iron head covers because I'm old. Yeah. And now, I, don't I think can understand that as a trolley. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't carry him. I'm an yeah. old guy, whatever. But but I don't think his dad is that old. Is he older than you? So live golf. <laughs> <laughs> a reminder to anybody listening before we move on to the big event of the day. Iron head covers are an abomination. If you use them, you deserve to shoot in the hundreds. Uh, do you know how many times we've reviewed iron head covers? None. And why is that? No right? times, because there's no place for them in the game. Correct. Like slow play. And white belts. And white belts. I don't think there's any need to be ambiguous about it. Just stop it. Uh-huh. Stop it. Not so, required. So that's that. So I think he enjoyed himself. <laughs> oh. Yes. Anyway, look, live golf, let's get to it. The field is now out. As I said, it's been a long time coming, this one. A very, very bloody long time coming. But the first 42 players are now confirmed. We gather there are going to be six more. Five from the International Series Asian Tour quote-unquote qualifying event taking place at Slowly Hall this week. And one other, which is a commissioner's pick. So basically, Greg Norman's going to... Invite someone else to play. I wonder who that could be. We'll get to that. Good, because I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I've got a hunch. Himself? Why not? It did occur to me a couple Wayne of days Grady? ago. Wayne Grady? I think you know no. you're wrong. <laughs> no, I, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But look, some of the, the, the standout names, if you like, from this field that comprises 11 different countries represented. The players have got a combined eight major titles three former world number one ranked players, and they comprise 26 of the top 150 golfers in the world. I'm not sure that's what they would have been going for, but there we are. Dustin Johnson. Let's start there. Dustin Johnson, two-time major champ, former world number one, the third highest earning player in PGA Tour history. Well, he's done a U-turn, hasn't he? February the 20th released a statement saying, I am fully committed to the PGA Tour. As it turns out, not so much anymore. Bryce, that is the big surprise in the announcement, isn't it? Aye. Absolutely massive, considering he said he didn't want anything to do with it. So you have to say, how has he managed to U-turn that dramatically? What has <laughs> what has transpired since then? What's he been offered? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stunned at DJ... I'm surprised at a few, but I'm stunned at DJ. 
But I think that field, when you look at it, I actually think the field is quite interesting in a sort of weird way. I think that's just a real cobbled together field from out of nowhere with some star names and some absolute, like... Who the hell are these? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm surprised that there's three amateurs in the field. Now, this perhaps shouldn't be that much of a surprise. There was a lot of talk about Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt's younger brother, having been offered a couple of million to commit to it. He's still an amateur. But we do have three amateurs taking part. Poses some questions, if you like, about money, which we know is the big driver in all of this. There's a £4 million check going to the winner next week. Let's say James Pyatt, for example, the, the 2021 US Amateur Champ who's taking part. Let's say he wins, so that four million presumably goes to second place. It's, I'm not, I, it's very strange. That's very strange. What is it? Monday qualifier says one of the guys has been offered six million to take part in amateur. It's completely bizarre, and I did not think it would get anywhere. I'm very surprised it's actually happened. I did think last week. Hmm, this might not be going anywhere, but it still hasn't gone anywhere yet. There's no balls in the air. No balls in the air. They've got to get a second event, and I think there's the interest will be in who plays in that second event following the first, mm-hmm. because it's now up to the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour to follow through on what they said they were going to do. Or what they've been rumoured to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So... Very interesting. Um, DJ's DJ's really surprising in in a number of respects because it feels like we've said this about a few different people, not least Greg Norman, but it feels like DJ doesn't necessarily need the hassle of this. You know, he's wealthy beyond his means. He's got a great bunch of sponsors, one of whom, by the way, is RBC. Their event, the Canadian Open, taking place next they, week, they're all, pissed off. They're pissed off, and they're quite right to be pissed off, because I think that's shocking. That was your sponsor. You're playing in that event. That's a massive event for the PGA Tour. He will have known he was playing in that. And I think for the last few weeks, he's it's obviously told them, by the way, I'm not going to play in that event. And they're right to be hugely annoyed. So the the pressure from the PGA Tour will not come from the PGA Tour. It will come from their sponsors. Mm -hmm. Without sponsors 100% behind the PGA Tour, they're in trouble. So the sponsors will be putting their foot down. I'm stunned at DJ. That's a a very big call. And I think it speaks volumes for the serious amount of cash that's been thrown his way to play. Yes. You said at the beginning there you didn't think, you know, what was it, the, the... the hassle of this, that you know, getting to that stage, that that applies to every single player involved in this. Mm-hmm. Let's suggest, right? Let's suggest that that the PG Tour, who are rumored to be banning players, and the DP World Tour, that they will ban players who they play in this. That's effectively Martin Keimer and Bernd Wiesberger, two big names in European golf. That's their careers over. They're not going to play Ryder Cup. If the rumours are to be believed, and this is what I think the tours will do, is that they'll get together and they'll get the majors involved to bury this. Because that's what they need to do. As soon as Augusta turns around and says, well, actually, we've got an agreement with the rest of the bodies that we're not going to let players who play in this tour be involved in our, in our tournament. That will kill it. Do you think so? 100%. There's not a shred of doubt in your well, mind. Well, hang on. What, what I'm saying is, though, that 
the money that's been talked about and the money that we've seen. Well, here we go. We are. We what, talked what, what about do, this. What, what do these players want? Do they want major championships or more money in the bank? That, that's the point. But if you turn around to Ian Poulter and say, you're never going to play Augusta again, but here's a hundred million, you'll soon see what he's made of. I can see why you'd be tempted as well. I can see why I'd be tempted. But I tell you what, I, I don't understand it. Hudson Swafford's got nine million in the bank. He's what, 31, 34, mm-hmm. something like that. Because of the way tour players are, he's that guy's easily got another 10, 15 years on tour. Yeah. He's a good player. So he's probably going to make another 10, 12 million on tour. The money's getting bigger. Let's say he has one mega season where he wins 4.5 million, 5 million, something like that. So he's a Scottish Sheffield year or yeah, something? Yeah, has a, has a great year. Not even a major win, but you know he might finish fourth in the FedEx Cup or something, You know, come second in the players, add some cash. He could win another 15 million in his career. So he finishes at 25 million. That guy's effectively just given up his PGA Tour life as we know it to make 40, 50 million quid. And I think this comes down to the fact that not a lot of people are aware of this. There are so many golfers who aren't interested in their legacy. <laughs> they aren't that bothered about, you know what, deep deep down they know, I'm not going to win the Masters. I've not got a hope in hell of winning the US Open. I know I'm not good enough. They know that. You only get that when you speak to a player and when their career's over. For example, I told you the story about me sitting on a plane from Augusta, hearing and a guy talk about his friend who was playing in Augusta. I won't say the player's name. Yep. But he was in, He's not on the list. Not on the list. His pal was playing at Augusta and he said, yeah, he knows he's not as good as Rory. He's not as good as these guys. He's just pleased to be there. That's what these guys are. Some of the guys exist like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really criticise guys like that when somebody turns around and says, well, to be honest, you could play on tour for the next 10 years. You might, you might, one year, you might have to get your knuckle down and keep your tour card. But if you don't, yeah, you'll probably make 5 million. But then somebody turns around and says, how would you like to make 25 million over the next three years? <laughs> you got to put yourself in that position. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm not going to stand in judgment of the players who are making these moves. Yeah. I can't. Because if somebody turned around and offered me life-changing amounts of money, if some other startup magazine came to me and offered me, quite honestly, money that would change me and my family's life, you would who, have a decision. Who to make. wouldn't think about that? Yeah. For the life of me, I don't know where but, I would come down on that. But the difference is that's not it, to invite any offers, not, by the way. Just no, to be clear, and if any of those offers are about, I'll take them first. But th- that, that you can't compare yourself to that because you're not the same. Because you're not struggling through life at the moment. But neither is Hudson Swafford, who's got ten million in the bank. That's just his prize money. I'm not talking about endorsements mm-hmm. or bonuses. He's got ten million dollars. Does he really need? To give up he's, everything he's done from the 30 years to now, to give it all up, all he's, the chance to play alongside events that, you know, Byron Nelson, Bobby Jones, mm. all these guys, Tiger Woods, to even be in a field with Tiger Woods, to give all that up, to play alongside Kevin Nah for $25 million, that's the thing. It's not about, well, I changed my life. His all right, life has already been changed. It's about, can I get even more money? Mm-hmm. That's what I can't quite get See, my head that, around. This is why I I will criticise some players, not for the decision they've made, but for the justification of their decision. Ian Poulter, for example. Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry. Who's not playing is, in it, uh, by the way. But Ian Poulter specifically said a couple of months ago, 
you know, it was something to do with, I've got to provide financial security for my family before he'd officially committed, but he was effectively saying, I'm going to do this. It was about providing financial security for my family in the long term. You've got 13 Ferraris, mate. You're not exactly using food banks. No. So I'm not buying no. that you need and the financial security. I, I, I agree with that. That's what Shane Lowry said as well. Who are people to tell me I'm protecting my family? The guy's got millions. I just, I don't understand that argument. Just tell us that you want more money. Uh-huh. And I that's want even fine. more money. Uh-huh. I'm surprised. I'm, uh, I wonder if there's a few players in there that I think, you know what? My time has come. I'm probably hitting a wall with my abilities mm-hmm. and in relation to who's on the tour at the moment. I wonder if guys like Poulter, Oosthuizen, and Westwood, and even Garcia, G-Mac. G-Mac, yeah, look at guys like Morikawa, Justin Thomas, John Ram, Rory. They look at these guys and go, I'm, they're superior to me. I'm, I'm always going to play second fiddle. You know what? Why don't I just go and make 40 million quid in the next three years? There's also the thing that they've been there and done it. You're talking uh-huh. about guys who've been around yeah. for years. They've There's grafted. nothing new for them to yes. see anymore uh-huh. because they've seen it all. Yeah. Does Westwood, Poulter, do they think they could still win majors? I'd like to think they still are that they're taking a They're taking a risk. That This is the risk. We don't know what the majors are going to do. We don't know what the governing bodies are going to do. Mm-hmm. They could turn round. They could turn round and that could end it. Like you, From this week onwards, we could never see Lee Westwood tee up in a PG Tour event again. Or D- Dustin Johnson. Or Garcia. I mean, Garcia's Nath- actually already hinted that that's going oh, yeah. to happen because he yeah. said, I can't wait to be done with this tour. I know, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, I'm surprised that Bernd Wiesberger... Many a true word said in anger. Bernd Wiesberger is a clever young guy, very good player, multiple European tour winner. Has he managed to put his foot down in the States? No. no. He's really never done... Anything of any real significance on American soil. And you just wonder whether he's thought, ah, you know what? Go make some money. But essentially what they're doing is waving goodbye to all the hard, potentially waving goodbye to all the hard work that they've done to get to this point. Mm-hmm. I've got the feeling that this is like a private pro-am. That no one's ever going to know what happens because it's hardly going to be on. I, I don't even know if it's on TV. Yeah, I've asked the question of the people that live golf as to where it's going to be broadcast. Who are the sponsors? Do they need them? That's the thing. Saudi Arabia is mega rich. Does it need sponsors? I'm not convinced it does. We're good. There's a lot of questions that still need to be answered, put it that way. But the biggest single one was the field. Who's going to play? That in itself might now encourage other sponsors to, or potential sponsors to say, all oh, right, it looks like that. Okay, here I am, I'm in. Another thing is like, let's say you're, and we don't know, but Craig Connolly, Martin Keimer's caddy. Craig might never walk the fairways of Augusta ever again. Craig knows golf. Craig's a clever guy. Craig's got a history with the game. He's done things that a lot of caddies have never done. And I'm sure he's got a lot of ground that he'd like to walk again to get under a different result. That might be taken away from him. Potentially. Might never play in the open again. Never, might never carry a bag in the open again if he chooses to stay with Keimer. Mm-hmm. Because that is what the bodies might do. If they want to if they want to stop this in its tracks, they're going yeah. to have to do something quickly because the next event is coming. Well, that's the thing. We, and we, if need, to, keep we happen, need to stress this, that we don't know yeah, that they're going to be banned. Nothing. You know, These are the rumours that they could face bans from the PGA Tour and DP World Tour and the Ryder Cup, which we'll come to in a second. That's conjecture. The 
organisations haven't said what they're going to do. I approached the DP World for comment this morning. They said, we will not be making comment. Not hugely surprised. But we, degree, we know it's been discussed. We know it's been discussed. We know it's been discussed. What we don't know because is what the, the, the four organisations that run the majors, which aren't the tours, what they plan to do. And but, you're right, they, they, they're going to hold some sway. It just depends. Let's say I'm looking at like Brandon Grace, who's playing the Live Series. If I get told I'm not going to be allowed to play in the majors again, but here's 40 million quid, guaranteed money every week on top of it, I think you just don't know. What are those players' motivations? Money or majors or both? So it's we're at a really interesting sticking point in golf just now, which is genuinely quite fascinating. I, I think what you said about the field being a bit of a, almost a mishmash, it's quite interesting. They've got Kepka, Chase Kepka, not Brooks, but Chase he, Kepka's he in is, there. He is a classic, he is the absolute classic case. He's not quite made it yet. Yeah, Chase Kepka's been on that fringe for the last three, four years trying to go somewhere and it has not happened. And somebody said, he's fancy making five million quid. Yes, please. He's going to have a Brandon Grace career within two years if he <laughs> plays on that. Potentially in two years. That's beyond his dreams. Yeah. But Do you know well, really I, I, I guarantee when Chase Kepka was 15, I guarantee he wasn't thinking... I would quite happily never play PG Tour and DP World, but get five million in the bank. I guarantee he was thinking I'd quite like to tee it up at the AT and T and you know Jack's place mm -hmm. and do all that and play well, the players. Oh yeah, because there was nothing else. Now there is, and it's well, it's, take your pick. Really, it's a great time to be a professional golfer or indeed a young amateur golfer. That's the thing that's interesting to me is that they've taken a lot of young guys. They've got James Pyatt, the US Amateur Champion of twenty twenty one. You've got Turk Pettit. The NCAA Division One men's champion from 2021, he's in there. You know, these young guys don't need to be siding with it, but they are putting their eggs in that basket, which should it's a should be sounding some alarm bells at Pont Vedra Beach. Mass massive, because it's uh, it's quite a clever move to go and cherry pick some of the the next batch of players coming through the PG Tour, and that that alone should give them the fear. Not okay. only has this, it hasn't really, to a point yet, it hasn't really harmed the core of the PGA Tour yet, with the exception, potentially, of Poulter and DJ, who are big stars. Mm -hmm. No offence, Lee. It's potentially harming the Champions Tour. No, it's not potentially, it will it harm the Champions Tour, it, yeah. because if this continues, they'll just go there. There's not a chance they'll play Champions Tour. And it's harming the other end of the scale with the young guys coming through the scene. If they start picking them off over the next six months, PG Tour are right to be worried. And then you've got some mainstays of the European Tour itself, the likes of, say, Oliver Fisher, young guy like Laurie Cantor. You know, looking down the list, Pablo Larathabal, he's committed to Adrian Otegi. It wanted to shake things up, it wanted to change the face of the game. And it's, in essence, be disruptive, and uh -huh. it's achieved that. Let's talk about one name who's not there, and that is... Phil Mickelson. Strongly suspected that he was going to make his return to golf at this event, that he's been almost working hand in glove behind the scenes with Greg Norman, doing a lot of the, the bidding for Live Golf Series on tour, bending the ears of his fellow players. He's not there. Yet. So to return to the point I made at the start, there is one space available. Could it be Phil? Don't know. I would be stunned, but I was stunned at DJ. Yeah. 
Phil traditionally doesn't travel that much, or even though he says he does, but <laughs> he doesn't. It's true. So that would be a surprise. They tend, these guys tend to lead. Sergio never plays in the UK unless it's the Open. Doesn't yeah. bother turning up because of tax reasons. I would be amazed if he turned up. Good way to sell tickets. But if you were, yeah. if you had a proper strategy in place, you would have announced that six weeks ago. I mean, they announced that UK time about two o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. And it tees off a week tomorrow. Correct. Not an awful lot of time to ship no, tickets. No, a lot of, like, and the ch- tickets are not exactly cheap. <laughs> so, whew. however, there are some star names playing. Well, that's, it's now interesting. It is. I've, you know you can't mean? deny it's, it. It's interesting that there's some, there's some proper tonnage on that field. Yes, that's it. And I quite like the fact that, as we mentioned, there's a bit of a, a blend going on. Yeah. Let's look at the, the Ryder Cup implications of all this. And again, I have to stress... This is rumour and conjecture. We do not know that anybody is going to be banned from anything, least of all the Ryder Cup. However, that has been hinted quite strongly that players who take part could be, I guess, sanctioned, if you like. The sanction they could be facing is no more Ryder Cup for you. You're done. Forget about playing in it. Forget about captaining. Over. For the European team in particular, that could have some pretty hefty consequences in years to come. Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, all you would have said until maybe even yesterday, nailed on as future Ryder Cup captains. Now there's uncertainty. That's eight years of captaincy in trouble. I, I do think the, the Ryder Cup ban is on the table because players have spoken about it. Liv have come out and said that uh, Greg Norman said that, you know, they were looking at potential court cases for mm. Pan. So, so they know something's happening behind the scenes. The PJ Tour and the DP World Tour have just kept their counsel and said nothing. It's all been behind the scenes and mega private. <laughs> be very interesting to see what they say over the next couple of days. I'm gutted for Sergio. I'm, I would have to say I'm not a huge Sergio fan at the moment. I think his behaviour is just getting a bit weird. I thought his behaviour a few weeks ago was just typical of Sergio. But Cannot deny that guy's a European Ryder Cup legend. Yeah. And I would like to have seen him captain a European side. I think that's something that he should have been given the opportunity. Same with Poulter. I do think it would have been... I do get the feeling that a Poulter captaincy could also be a disaster. But... <laughs> yeah, Faldo-esque almost. Yeah, yeah it, would be, it would be great to have Ian Poulter as a European Ryder Cup captain. The way he talks to his players, the way he would G them up, bringing his... His take on where the Ryder Cup team... His passion. His passion. How, where he thinks and how he thinks a European Ryder Cup team should behave, I think would have been massive for Europe. That might not happen. And this genuinely does hurt the European side because that's uh, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell and Ian Poulter are stalwarts <laughs> of the European side. If they're kicked to the side as captains... We're, we've got a big gap to fill. We're talking, are we bringing in Robert Carlson? Are we bringing in Paul Casey? Are we bringing in Luke Donald? There's some names there that are... Hmm. We'd be turning our back on certainly three... Absolute shoe-ins. Yeah. I, I mean, we are talking And think absolute of the money that the Ryder Cup European... Or sorry, the DP World Tour would make. We know how important yeah. the Ryder Cup is financially for them. 
those you need, three guys, you need a sexy, captains. You need a sexy captain. Crap. You need a sexy captain. They're absolute shoe-ins. I think, I, I, maybe you don't think G-Mac would be, but I think all four of them are absolute shoe-in captains. Not sure I would say he's a shoe-in. I'm not sure he's got the... I wouldn't lump him in with the other three. I mean, they are just the next level. He's, he think he'd have a chance, but certainly there, there's there's three in there that are just... I, I didn't think the day would ever come that we'd say they wouldn't be Ryder Cup captains. I would have put my mortgage on all three. Do you think they, they are... They're four big and they na- potentially still might. So They're four big names... They, you just wonder whether they know something that we don't. Yeah. That actually the PGA Tour can't can't do this, can't do that. But if essentially the European Tour owns the Ryder Cup, they can pretty much do what they want. Yeah. They can just choose not to pick them. Don't have to give a reason. You know? Quite yeah. a few guys have not been picked as Ryder Cup captains for whatever reason. They don't have to give a reason. Well, in Scotland we know that that better than most. Uh-huh. Where do you see this going then, Bryce? Do you see this going to the courts? I don't see how they can because it's up to the players to take them to the court. To court, I don't see why they have to have the backing of the tour to do that. If the, this whole argument was that Graham says, well, uh, Greg Norman says, well, they're independent contractors, that's fine. So why don't the players take mm-hmm. the tour to yeah. court? Why are Liv fighting the players' corner for them? Why is that? Is it because the players don't want to spend the money to take them to court or they know something? You know, I, I do be think a lot that's of quite individual strange. cases fighting the same thing. So, so maybe you could just corral them all uh, if you like. It's a big loaded question because where do I see this going? It's where do I see the PGA Tour because they're more influential than the DP. Where are the PGA Tour going, and where do I see Live going? That's actually what I find more interesting. Where is this going to go? What's the next event going to be like? Because if they've got forty-two players, they're going to get to forty-eight. Is it going to be the same forty-eight playing in the next? Well, that's it. Yeah. Because will that keep people engaged? What happens if DJ gets injured? What happens if DJ plays this year and then says, you know what, it's boring, I'm just going to retire? Who's their big star name that's going to pull it? 170 players apparently applied to be part of this. I think I think that they can change things up uh, from event to event. As you say, like, why would you have the same 48 players? But how do you do that? Who's, exactly. Who drops out? Who comes in? Yeah, seems like a pro-am. <laughs> so you play this week and then yeah. you can play in three weeks. I don't get it. But... Interesting. If I was a PG Tour, I I would be worried. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. I, you know what? I'm, I didn't say this publicly, but I was almost siding with you in the sense that I don't think this is going to get off the ground. And the longer it went, even up until yesterday, I'm going, this ain't happening. You know, it was just the can felt like it was getting kicked down the road more and you, more you, and but more. You've, you've got to say... Why did it take them three weeks, four weeks to announce the field? Why did it take so long? That isn't normal. Fields in these events are usually announced two, three months in advance with certain players. You can go and pick out for the Scottish Open, yeah. which is happening in six, seven weeks. You can go and name nine or ten players that are playing in that. Mm-hmm. This was not like that. How, why has that happened? There's got to be a reason for it. There must have been stuff happening behind the scenes, yes. delicate, potentially legal things. Uh-huh. It's all going to come out in the wash very, very soon, I'm, I'm yeah. certain of it. Anyway, like I said at the top, we're not just going to be concentrating on live golf on this week's episode. Loads more to come. A little bit more Ryder Cup chat for you, for that matter. And a big name is leaving the game altogether this week. It's all coming up in part two of the Bunker podcast in association with Callaway. 
think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know, but I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Hello again. Welcome back. Part two of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. It is US Women's Open Week. Huge, huge event taking place at Pine Needles Golf Club, one of the the ladies' major championships. Lots of interesting storylines, not least Nelly Corda is making her comeback after her her blood clot issues, so great to see Nelly back in the game. Then we've got someone who is walking away from golf, and that is Michelle Wee, or Michelle Wee West, to to give her her proper title. The one-time Phenom has decided that this is going to be her, her penultimate week as a player, She's playing in the US Women's Open again next year. She's eligible for that, I believe, at Pebble Beach. But as of this week, it's our farewell, if you like, to playing competitively regularly, fulfilling a total schedule on the LPGA. I guess time has kind of caught up with Michelle Wee Bryce. She's obviously had injury problems over the last few years. She's been in golf an awful long time. She's been playing in the LPGA for, for it feels like forever, the last 20 years or so. And she's got a young family at home as well now. So she says she's stepping away with no regrets. It's the right time. It kind of does feel like a bit of a surprise though, doesn't it? I mean, this is someone who was meant to be huge for the women's game, who was billed as the ladies' tiger when she first appeared on the stage. She's been a name in golf, really, since she was 10 years old. She's now 32. How do we look back on the career of Michelle Wee? With disappointment. I hate to say it. Her her career has been absolutely not what it was predicted to be. She was a huge star as a a junior. And we're not even talking as as a teenager. We're talking as a child. She was a big star. She came out with faster ball speed than some of the players she was playing against on tour when she was about 16 years old. She, she was playing events when she was 15, whatever, and 14. And when she turned pro, she signed a deal with Nike. It was worth millions. Signed with Sony. Her pre- I remember her press conference. It was a huge deal. I mean, this girl was the future of the LPGA. And I think she only won five times. Five times. One major and amongst them, but yeah. Yeah, and... It's just not been, considering where she was, it's just not gone the way it's people thought it would, would go. And I think it's to do with pressure. I absolutely think her parents were a hugely negative influence on her because they were everywhere. If you look at her quotes from the US Women's Open, her major, there was stuff brought up in that press conference about her parents and she talked them up. But she mentioned or they'd had hard times and so on and and that that major victory was actually a surprise. It was, yeah. That no one saw that coming. It ju- almost just like crept it was up on you. Crept up on her. Her parents were a negative force. I don't care what anyone says. If you speak to people who were around her parents, they had absolutely nothing positive to say about them. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that can ruin. We know of so many 
talented young players on the tour that haven't made it because of who was advising them. Mm-hmm. It was a disaster. There were a lot of people in our years. I mean, yeah, our parents clearly, different coaches, went through a lot of caddies. There were parallels there between Michelle Wee and subsequently Lydia Cole. Lydia has obviously been significantly more successful than Michelle Wee, but a lot of the same, I guess, mistakes made, just Lydia's handled them better than Michelle Wee. So why is that? Why did Michelle Wee not handle the expectation and the pressure? What is, are some people just wired differently? I think she was wired. She got she got wired differently with the wrong things at the wrong time. Nike were were chasing players, not just golfers, but sports stars early in their career, and they signed a thirteen year old uh, footballer for reportedly one million, and they were chasing we for a long time. So when she signed that deal, it was reported to be about four or five million a year. So essentially, it was a twenty million pound contract, yep. or is it twenty two million contract? Can't remember. But Jack Nicklaus said she doesn't need to be worrying about endorsement deals. She just needs to go and play golf. Is that's what everyone was talking about? So mm-hmm. behind the scenes, she'll have been sitting there talking about endorsement deals. However, we all react to that differently. So did Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods was quite similar. Same brand, you know. He was in meetings with now, if you read all the stories, Tiger got bored in these meetings and so on. But it didn't affect him, but it affected her. And I think that's because Tiger's father had quite a different relationship with Tiger than uh, Michelle Wee's parents. She fell out with her parents mm-hmm. all the time. They had fights, they had arguments, they didn't get on with the press. They used to tell the press what to do. They were arguing about who was teaching her and so on. Disastrous. And I think when you've got that in your head from a young age, how are you meant to concentrate on playing golf? Yeah, that's very true. I don't, I don't see how you're meant to do that. If you've not got that stable network. Yes, Tiger was involved in all those contract negotiations and so on, but he was pretty stable. Tiger was, as we have proven time and again, mentally, Tiger was one up in every single competitor. Even when he came out on tour as a rookie. He was one up and everyone, he was just stronger up there. And he also had the team around him operating all with his best interests, first and foremost. Best interests. Butch Harmon wanted the best for him. Fluff Cowan wanted the best. And when it became clear that he was obviously courting a little bit of celebrity, Tiger got rid and brought someone who had his best interests. Mark Steinberg, Errol and Katida, everyone around Tiger had his interests solely at heart. Can Michelle Wee look back and say, yeah, I, I had that too? I don't think she can, unfortunately. No. I think her career just, it just didn't really ever get going. Nah. And there's been a lot of cases of that over the years. There's a number of players who have shown loads of potential, that have got very excited about to varying degrees, and it's just not happened. It's hard, bottom line. Golf is seriously, seriously tough. And I think people can just make it harder by having too many people in their ears or other influences or their own expectations golf yes when you mix all that together golf's the worst sport to be involved in <laughs> because it, it is it's very it's very difficult look at the amount of players like Aaron Badley should have been a star yeah Aaron Badley yeah. should have been an absolute star but made a few swing changes that was yeah. it the finish gone Michelle we started doing that crazy putting remember when that happened oh, do you think grief. what Forgot I mean I, I can't think how that is 
I mean, that was just absolutely bizarre. Yeah. I think you, you've you've gone all the way through your career to that point. Do you really need to do that? I I, I think, but someone was that the forty five degree bent at the waist. Yeah, that's yeah. just weird. Uh, but someone's told her to do that. Yeah. And Why? Why are they doing that? Is it to create points of difference that are going to benefit her, or points of difference that are going to benefit them? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's really sad when you look back and it. She says she's leaving with no regrets. I hope that's true. I genuinely hope that she believes and feels that. But I'm just not sure. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. But I suppose the bigger point is, look, what can we take from this? Michelle Wee was billed as being the next big thing. You know, she was. That's what she was supposed to be. So, what can we learn from and that? Do we need to just chill out on hundred percent? You know how we talk about next big things. Yeah, and in, in golf, that's quite dangerous to do that. I do genuinely think that you you could probably go to the states now and pick five or six next big next big things, mm. and it probably won't happen. Look at Brooks Kepka. Every player's got a hate to talk about journeys, mm. but every player's got a journey. The J word. The J word. Every player's got a journey. Brooks Kepka. Look how he got to. I mean, guys yeah. won four majors. He's won the National Open twice, PGA twice. Look where he's got to, and how he got there, and how he got there. It's absolutely, completely different to Michelle Wee's upbringing as, as a tour player. Nobody was talking about Brooks Kepka being a big star. No, in like nationals, maybe they were locally, yeah. but and in Brooks Kepka was. Sense, what did he do when he was nineteen? He was the, playing Spay Valley, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> With Nobody respect, knows. yeah, he was playing so, on the Challenge Tour. So I think. You can never really tell when you think you've got a phenom in your hands. It, it just doesn't work out that way. And I think she was a victim of that. She came out when Tiger was mad. Yep. She signed with Nike. You know, I just think it looks... That's the idiocy of humans as well, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, there's a female Tiger Woods. Yes. The, That's what she was called. I mean, for crying out loud, Tiger. Uh -huh. You've said this before. Every time somebody does something now, it reminds you how bloody good Tiger was. And the audacity to think that in the same four-year period as Tiger emerges and just dominates the game, we can have a female equivalent. But here we go. I mean, we said, we, mad. We, I know. We said this with Liv a minute ago. However, we, maybe she's quite happy to just... Maybe she's thought... In the last five, six years, maybe the hunger just isn't there. She got married, fell in love, had a kid, she got the dogs. Maybe thinks, you know what? <laughs> I quite fancy just doing my health thing, yeah. going on Instagram, walking the dogs on the beach and having 50 million in the bank. And that is and, absolutely fair and enough. And that's good with me. And, uh, and maybe she just doesn't have that drive to go and beat Annika Sorensen's mm -hmm. major record. You know, how many wins has Annika Sorensen got in the LPGA? Oh, she got 10 uh, major wins. 11, is it 11 major wins? 10 major wins? 10, I think. So Michelle's, and she, and she, put this way, Michelle Wee's nine behind. And she's won was. like, hi, she's won like over 50, 60 times in the LPGA. Yeah. An absolute legend. Is Michelle Wee bothered about getting anywhere there, near that? No. <laughs> so if she wants to just walk out, walk off into the sunset, fine. But I found it interesting that she's agreed uh, and I'm sort of ambassador deal with Nike. Yeah. I suspect that's a coming out of your contract deal. Yeah. You Wait a minute, you're quitting golf and we pay you four million a year? No, you're not. You're going to consult on next year's fashion lines, yeah. which seems to be something she's passionate about. Yeah. So, look, she's walking away in her own terms. I respect that. That's absolutely fine. As a golf fan, I'm just disappointed it worked out the way it did because it could have been, should have been a hell of a lot better. Ryder Cup, I mentioned we were going to come back to it. 
Dodo Malinari has been picked as a vice-captain for the European team. A bit of a left-field appointment in one sense, because he's played in one Ryder Cup. He's not exactly had, with absolute respect, a hugely successful career to this point. He's been successful, but not in a 12 wins kind of way. If you're going to tell me that Molinari was going to be a vice-captain, I'd have said Francesco. However, Eduardo does make sense when you think about it. Uber intelligent guy. You speak to any player on the DP World Tour and say, who's the smartest bloke out here? 99% are going to say Eduardo Molinari. So he's been assigned this role as the stats guy. The thing that's really interesting is that they appear to have identified a job, a task that needs done, and then gone out and picked the guy to do it, as opposed to, right, well, such and such is the vice captain, but what's Davis Love going to do that week? They know exactly what Molinari's role is, and they picked him for it. So I think it's quite a good move, to be honest. Do they not already have a stats guy? They have a stats team. But what they don't have are, amongst that stats team, huge respect for them, they don't have players who are playing and can apply that player's mindset to those stats. Numbers, damn lies and statistics, what is it they say? Now they've got a guy on the team who can crunch them, if you like, and put them into a proper playing context. A bit like Robert Carlson's done the past two matches. Yeah, bit surprised. I mean, when did he play Ryder Cup? 2010, Kilty 2010. He's not in a sniff of it since. And his career has massively stalled. He is a very intelligent guy, clever guy, quite outspoken at times as Mm -hmm. well. Suddenly he's involved in the backroom team at the Ryder Cup. I wonder why that's happened. Are you implying it's to do with his nationality? Or to do with love? No, don't think it's to do with his nationality. Because if that's the case, we'd have had more Scots involved at Glen Eagles. We did have Sam. Yeah, Sam who came out from... Anyway, yeah. so what's your reason? I do think that's quite a consequence of love. Okay. There's plenty more at the front of the queue to be involved, so it almost appears like they've gotten involved but had to give him this weird title in order to justify it. I think that's a bit strange. However, maybe they are having a rethink. Maybe this is part of their European-style task force and they're bringing him in. And he is he is well-respected. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a bit weird. <laughs> Obviously, the success of Sam Burns beating Scotty Scheffler in a playoff at Colonial at the weekend prompted a bit more Ryder Cup chat on social media. Predictably, the US-based media, if you like, shit-stirring or otherwise, pointing out that you know neither of those, well, one of them wasn't on the Ryder Cup team last time around, where they spanked us. There are some who are maybe trying to take a page from Alan Shipnick's book and implying that why are Europe even bothering to turn up? The Americans are so strong, the talent pool is so deep. Look at the expected churn of players on the European side, basically saying it's going to be another mauling. Is that, excuse my language, bullshit? Yeah, because we've said before, you know, what's on paper doesn't necessarily transcribe to the golf course. doesn't work like that. I think we'll get a better idea when it's closer to time. Honestly, you're, you're just guessing. It's just madness. Isn't I we know. don't know who's going to be Licking playing Licking the it. finger and sticking it in the air and see which way it feels. It's know, just bizarre. The idea that, let's say, Nikolai Hoygaard cannot beat Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa over 18 holes. Have a word. I know. Of course he can. It's golf. It's match play. Uh-huh. 
It's not quite as straightforward as the best player's going to win. If that's the case, Tiger Woods would never have lost a Ryder Cup match. Uh-huh. So I, I think we're, we're, we're far too far out to start talking about what the hell's going to be happening there. Does that we kind don't of speak know to the, the obsession, though, that we have with the Ryder Cup? It's once every two years, but it feels yeah, like we talk about it all I think, the time. I think that's changed slightly, but the Americans are probably forced into talking about Ryder Cup a bit more than they would want to because there's a few more... There's a bit more interest in it because of Twitter and social mm. and, and so on. But remember, 10, 15 years ago, they didn't describe Steve Stricker as former Ryder Cup player <laughs> or Ryder Cup star. You know, it was John Deere champion, former John Deere winner, blah, blah, blah. Three. We refer to our players as former Ryder Cup star or, you know, the four-time Ryder Cup star. In America, they don't do that because it's not important. Very true. But I think it's changed now and I don't think they like it. In what sense? Don't think the Americans are that bothered about it. Not think they want to be. I don't. If you were to go and ask Brooks Kepka right now about the Ryder Cup, he'd probably bite your hand off. Like, well, why are you asking me about that? But I think the Europeans are a lot more open to discussing the Ryder Cup. I don't think the Americans are until they have to. Mind you, Brooks Kepka is probably the worst example I could probably bring there. Potentially, I think he loves it. I think he absolutely loves handing it to anybody. Quite honestly, but I know what you're saying. We seem to be a bit more. We talk about it more than they do. It, it means more to us to win. I think that's big, a little bit of the underdog mentality as well. We're always the underdog. I think mm-hmm. we're always always billed as that. And I think that kind of makes you want to prove a point. There's guys in Europe who are probably not happy that they're on the the side that's not expected to win because they probably fancy themselves as as good players, rightly, as a lot of the Americans. Mm-hmm. It's funny what a little bit of success can do, though, isn't it? You know, the Americans win that one match... 99 or whatever it was, and uh, we're going to win them forever. Shut up. (laughs) Speaking of wins or not, as the case may be, Podder of Merit. Last week, the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. (laughs) Oh, there's there's some humble pie coming in a second. Bryce, you went for Will Zalatoris, coming off the back of an excellent week again at a major championship. The bold Will missed the cut. Great. I went for Abraham Ansar coming off the back of a good week at the USPGA. Guy that's not really provided you with the goods. The many occasions you've picked him in Potter of Merit so far. Abraham Ansar also missed the cut. So, no points this week. It remains Bryce Nell, Michael 2 in season 5. What were we saying last week? We were good at it. <laughs> uh, I just I'm not sure we week. are. No, <laughs> not convinced. That. You you are lately. Mm. When was the last time we had both players miss the cut? About a year, to be quite honest. That's how good we are. Yeah. So no points. It's nothing just an changes. anomaly, Michael. But we'll find out this week at the memorial. I think it's still my honour. It is my honour. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. So I am going for. A man with a point to prove this week had victory cruelly snatched from him last year because of uh, his failed COVID test. Yeah. John Ram back with a point to prove. A really well handled situation that, wasn't it? Where they literally <laughs> walked off the side of the green and said, sorry mate, you're out. In front of the TV cameras. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Could have handled that any number of ways, but nah. Yeah, stay in public. Let's, let's look after our partners. 
So yeah, John Ram is the man for me this week. Who are you going for at Muirfield Village? Jack's place, as they say. Well, it's not anymore because he sold it, apparently. Did he? Yeah, that's not his place anymore. So what's he doing still there? Don't know. Sold it. Just hanging around, yeah, doing yeah. what Jack does. That's actually a good investigation into how much money Jack Nicholas has got. If you're turning down a hundred million from the Saudis, how much have you got in the bank? Yeah, good question. He's doing rather well. Yeah, he's not shopping at Lidl. No, he's not. He's a Waitrose guy, <laughs> isn't he? He's Waitrose. He gets the organic and asparagus. I and if it's shut, he's at M and S. Is M and S still open? Yeah. They're closing loads though, aren't they? I'm not talking about the clothes shop. Doesn't he shop in M&S clothes? True. I've got a bit of knowledge for you. I'll make a change. So Marks and Spencers, their food court or whatever it's, whatever you want to call it, their food branch. Food court. Was St. Michael's. St. Michael was the patron saint of grocers. Hence the name. Is that right? Yeah. When did it change to M&S Foods? When they realised their marketing sucked? Potentially, aye. I found that out through watching The Chase the other night. Really? Yeah, it came up. Which of these is the patron saint of grocers or something like that? And it was like St David, St George and St Michael. Is Marks and Spencer's going down this morning? Aye. It's gone from Silky Hall Street. Most things are gone from Silky Hall Street, to be fair, in Glasgow. Was it something about 45% of buildings in Silky Hall Street are unoccupied? Yeah. Sad times. Including Greaves Sports. See if you're listening outside of Glasgow, this isn't going to oh, make any sense the, to you. The one next to that terrible nightclub. Which is gone. Is that gone as well? What that, was that nightclub called? The Moon. I no, think it was. The fate was bef- before that. Before it was the called, Moon. What was that nightclub called like 20 years ago? It wasn't called The Moon. All the footballers, Frank McAvenny used to go there. What's it called? I'll get it. Find out for us. I'll find if out. you're listening, let us know. Let Did us you know. frequent it? So Greaves has gone from there. That used to be good. Yeah. If so if you're a, a Glaswegian of a certain age and you're into your football, there was nothing better than going into Greaves Sports, going and looking at all the new football shirts which were yeah. framed. I can still hear the clank of the frames yeah, yeah. battling together. Brilliant. Those were great days. But there's still a Greaves on Gordon Street next to Central Station. Good shop. Sorry to the people in Ghana because none of this makes any sense. I to know. Right now. But if you come from Ghana and Decide to walk down Buchanan Street, take a wee right. Yeah. And the, I tell you what, the golf section in Greaves, I was in there Christmas time and they've got a cracking swing studio in there. It's awesome. Do they? Ah, it's absolutely brilliant. And they mm. fit clubs, everything. Didn't uh, know that. Magic. So if you're in town and you're bored and you want to go look at golf stuff, go to Greaves. They should really have just paid us for that, shouldn't they? It sounds. The it way, does the way sound you did like that, a, it sounded like they had. And thanks to our sponsors. <laughs> no money changed hands. No money changed hands. But, but really, I'll tell you what they do have. They've got some DM really good Callaway clubs in there. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. You can, if you want to get fitted, that's where you For go. the Rogue ST driver. That's the Rogue <laughs> ST driver. <laughs> what were we talking about there? Oh, what were we talking about? I can't remember. How did we get onto Socky Hall Street? Marks and Spencer's patron saint, St. Michael. There you go. Now you know. But why were we talking about that? I don't know. What's that got to do with the pod in a minute? Jack, where he shops? That's uh, Jack and Lidl. So let's circle back. Circle back. Jack, how so much money does he have? How much a money lot? has he got? A lot. He could buy Socky Hall Street. Yeah. Have you picked a player yet? No, I'm going to ah, pick... there we go! <laughs> so let's join that dot. The circling is finished, <laughs> and I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. Wow. Okay. I'm, it's the second time I've picked Rory, and you all know my inner feelings on Rory, that I'm yeah. not impressed. But I have faith. As It's waning, 
but I have faith he's got a good record. At Muirfield Village? Yep. Okay. So that's who I'm going with. And I'm not suggesting he's going to win, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for a top five. That might be enough for the point. Yep. Might well be interesting. That's a couple of times now you've picked Rory. I know, and he's let me down both times. Well, first time. <laughs> Crashed and burned. Crashed and burned. Second time. I don't know, but it's looking good so far. <laughs> What's that from? Top Gun. I have not seen it yet. I've seen it tonight. The first one. Don't remember that. But one. he's chatting up Charlie. That's his pickup line. It's awful. I've, I've, tried, I've tried, done this a couple of times before. Oh, how'd it go? First time, Crash and Burned wasn't pretty. And the second? Don't know. It's look, till you tomorrow, but it's looking good so far. <laughs> did, did he stutter? Yeah, yeah he did, he did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm trying to remember it word for word. I got pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, Crash Burned. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know how I used to pick up women. Badly. <laughs> Do you want a drink? <laughs> Rory versus can, 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 can I buy you another hooch? 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 Do they still make that? I think so. Maybe they sell it in Marks and Spencer's. Don't know. Don't know. That's Jack. Indeed. <laughs> Rory versus Rash on the Potter of Minute. This. Hooch? <laughs> oh, it's completely funny. Shad by Shad? Oh, if you yeah. haven't seen Tom Watson's impression of Jack Nicholas uh, at the Masters, brilliant. go to Twitter and search for Tom Watson impression bunkered. We posted it a while back. It'll brilliant. come up. It is, oh my God. Brilliant. It's it's even better than you think it's going to be. Tom Watson, what a legend. Complete and utter. Complete and utter. Anyway, look, let's finish up. <laughs> Hooch has completely thrown me. I actually don't think I ever tried it. What? Hooch. Hooch, yeah. Never yeah. tried Hooch. Never tried a Smirnoff Ice. Never it's tried. Never Mad tried Dog. a Smirnoff Ice. Come on, there were pints to be had. I've never tried Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, and I have never tried Buckfast. You've never tried. You've tried all. You've not tried any of those drinks. None of them. Mad Dog used to drink that when I went to Scotland Games when I supported them. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got jaded, which is why you're going to the cinema tonight. <laughs> and then I got hurt. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Whole. Buckfast is horrible stuff. It's is disgusting. It? It's abs- It's just. I don't understand why people drink that. It's absolutely howling. Tastes like it? something they scraped off the pavement. What does it actually taste like? It tastes like puke. It it's rancid. It's like a vomit flavored alcoholic drink. Oh, I think I'll pass. It's absolutely. Dis- it's like puked vinegar. It's disgusting. <laughs> Mad Dog's nice, and then you get maybe a quarter way through the bottle, and you think I shouldn't be drinking this. But then you finish the bottle and you're leathered. And when you're 19, that's hilarious. But it's not. I don't sit at home now and drink my dog. Please always drink responsibly. Yeah. You get different flavours, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strawberry, orange. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was always bottles of like blue lightning or white lightning, whatever whatever the cheap cider Yeah, called. one of my pals used to drink that. I used to go to parties when you were younger. My pal, would all, Martin, would always drink cheap cider and his yeah. bottle of... We would all go out buying... Casey's a lagger and he'd turn up with a £2.50 bottle, three litre bottle. A three, of, three litres, exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. dry white lightning or whatever it's called. I don't think I've ever seen a three litre bottle of anything that's not cider. Cider's disgusting. Don't like it. There are brands that I like, but I won't mention them because they're not paying us. So. Yeah, yeah. But we can fix that. I'll need to change that I said I think it's disgusting. If they do yeah. what, if they you do like cider? Us. I like, yeah. Some, some brands I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good to know. <clears throat> So to the Honesty Box, presented by fill-in-the-blank. <laughs> There's an opportunity if you're listening, <laughs> Copperberg, Magners, whoever. 
Honesty Box, this was proposed by you, Mr. Richie. Hit me with it. Would you, to use a Scottish term, grass on somebody if you saw them cheating? So by grass, we mean dob them in or... Dob them. That's <laughs> even more Scottish. Dob them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell on them. Yes. Would you report it yes. if you saw someone cheating? Have you ever seen anyone cheat? And it could be innocuous. It could be an accident. could be so deliberate. That's the thing. Cheating is never an accident. I've seen people, I would like to say, unwittingly break rules. Because let's face it, there's just loads of them. And a lot of my mates are just social golfers. And they play and that's it. They walk onto the tee and they and they don't it. And they don't know. They have no idea. You know, I've I've seen mates that have grounded the clubs in the in bunkers, like properly digging underneath the ball. I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the thing about that, that, <laughs> no. that's the thing about cheating. How do you know someone is cheating, mm-hmm. or how do you know someone has just broken a rule? Because you can break a rule, but it doesn't mean you've cheated. Exactly. That's the big thing. That's why no one ever wants to discuss cheating in golf. And we all know what happened in with a Scottish player. But it got very messy, and you've heard all the stuff behind the scenes about that and other players. Then there was the Simon Dyson incident. Yeah. Which looked, depending on your perspective, it either looked bad or innocuous. Yeah. But then there was the, yeah, this has been going on an awful long time. Uh There are players, I'm not going to throw names out there because I'm getting this information secondhand. Patrick Reed. <laughs> not him. All right, sorry. No, no. We all, well, no, he's a blatant cheat. <laughs> no, I actually, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, well we, we think, fair, we think, we but think, we don't do, know because intent. The, how do you prove it? The, the, the drop. Rory did this. We Rory talked did about the this. Same. Rory did the same thing, and nobody I'll, said a thing. What about I'll say that. is this: it was the one in the sand or the waste area at the hero. That yeah, was a wee waste area. I, was just, I didn't know. Yeah. How? How? I'm a crap golfer. I know when I make contact with the sand, not yeah. once, but twice. Yeah. You know these things. You yeah. can feel it. That's why it's called feel. That's why people talk about feel being a big thing in the game. What's Patrick Reed well known for? His feel. You tell me all of a sudden he can't feel sand? Piss no. off. Or see it. Or see it. Jesus. Because the sand God. looks different when you've taken the club away. So there are question marks there. There are other players, some very... There, be, there are players who have had a lot said about them of late who have dubious records, shall we say. But then even sometimes their playing partners don't want to say anything. Well, that's it. I've Publicly. Heard, I've heard stories of like players on secondary tours, if you like, who have refused to sign their playing yeah. partner's scorecard because they believe they've done something yeah. wrong. Intentionally or otherwise, they just don't believe the score that they've put down is the score they should be putting and, down. And on the amateur circuit as well. Yeah. Intent, though, you're right, is the, the hard thing to to prove. So, have I seen people cheating? No idea. Have I seen people break the rules? Yep. I saw. I played. So it's a, it's a, there's a there's a grey area there that's really. I played tough. with my father-in-law at Turnbury a few years ago, and he was behind a gorse bush, and I'm standing, and he just kicks his ball, <laughs> kicks his ball from out the gorse bush, so he could hit his shot into the green cleaner with nothing in the way, and I'm standing, and I'm looking at him, going, "Have I just seen him do that?" And I look at my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law was his partner. And I look at Stuart, and Stuart's just laughing his head <laughs> off. But he doesn't play golf. But that he, so he knows just, you can't kick a ball aye, out of the way, so that's cheating. But you're, but you don't want to say like Jim, like we are actually playing a match here. So oh, so there was aye, a competitive we a match. element, and we had a draw. But was it Stuart hold a massive putt of the 18th for a half? I'm like, 
<laughs> it's just he kicked his ball out of a gorse bush. How can that be? But I think some people who play the game, like you're saying, they just don't realise that they're yeah just doing things. And I've seen people. Last year, I played somebody. I won't say who it was, but he was marking his ball wrongly, marking his ball to the side, and then marking his ball to the front. I mean, that's that's cheating. That's gaining an inch. Yeah. Now, sometimes if you I know think, what you're doing and you know that you you not put it back where you, uh, but I think it. sometimes people stand to the ball to mark it from one side and then put the ball back down from another side. So yeah. they're maybe just putting it down parallel to where they're looking every time, but they're not. It's not the same place. So that happened more than once. Yeah, um, and you see it all the time. But I don't want it. I'm not going to say anything. If it was one of my friends, I would have said. By the way. I'm going to report you. <laughs> Was it Justin Thomas? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. That would have been a story, that guys. Would, that would have been awkward. Very, very. But no, I can't see myself doing that. So if you had cause to believe that someone was cheating, you know, not just innocuously breaking a rule, if you had cause to believe that they were knowingly breaking the rule, would you report it? If I was playing in a competition, and how would you report it? And they were playing against me. I would pull them up about it. However, I do know that when that happens, it becomes a huge mess because it's your word against theirs. Yep. And that's the problem. Quite a few people, we know quite a few people have been kicked out of certain clubs mm -hmm. because of allegations. Very messy. I mean, I, I think I'd feel a little bit awkward pulling someone up because, well, it is awkward for a start. But equally, I don't know all the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. So I could pull someone up for something that I know is a, a, a an infraction, uh -huh. but equally I could do something the very next shot I hit, not knowing that I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, so do, you, do you know what was... Um, stones and glass houses and all that. I tricky, guess. last year was, if you're playing in a meadow, or I played in a competition and I lost my ball, I was looking for my ball, which is quite rare because I wasn't in the middle of the fairway. I'm looking for my ball and I thought, I don't know whether I'm over three minutes yet. Yeah! Exactly. So you feel like you're <laughs> cheating because the other guy's helping you and you think, am I now at four minutes? Is he <laughs> is he thinking I'm a cheating? Because I'm, I, so I just, it doesn't matter. I lost the hole and I, that lost me the match. Really? Yeah. Because I was worried that I was probably on the air for about a minute, 40 seconds. But you're but not going to wade in and then say, everyone just wait a second until I get my Timer phone. on. And Go. You know, know, no one does that. I know, but you probably so should. I, I know what you mean, though, because, yeah, you, you probably should. And the amount of times I've been looking for my ball in the rough, which doesn't happen all that often, I'm pretty straight, sharp, straight. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I don't know how many times I've just said, ah, look, guys, don't worry about it, because I'm thinking, we've been here a long time. We've yeah. been there probably 30 seconds. I know. But I'm just conscious of I don't want to hold up play or break rules. I know. There's a fear of rules in golf, I think, in a way that there's yeah. not a fear about rules in other sports. I would like to know about people who are who play with others who regularly cheat and why they don't say anything. Regularly cheat? Yeah, that's good. Are you asking the question to the listeners? Yes. I want to know. DM me. Brilliant. Okay. Love At B Richie Golf. Bryce likes... You like gossip. I love it. I mean, you had a subscription to Heat Magazine for a while there, so we all know how much you love gossip. Don't pretend you didn't. We all know you did. <laughs> And so, yeah, get in touch with Rice. Tell him if anyone is, is a cheat in your company and does so on the regular. I have a feeling your DMs are about to blow up. Wee Jimmy's an arsehole. He's always at the cheating. But we'll, we'll see. Report back next week, Bryce, if you wouldn't mind. Next week when, of course, 
we will most likely be talking a bit more about Live Golf. It is now, as we record, eight days until that first event takes place. Interesting times to be in golf. Anyway, that is it for this week. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Much appreciated as always. Thank you to Callaway for their continued support and for stocking Greaves so very, very well. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Are you going to be checking out the Callaway Rogue ST driver in Greaves I this weekend? I will be. I'll be doing it in Greaves, yeah. Excellent. Looking forward to that. And don't be surprised if next week it's the Podder of Merit presented by Greaves Sports. That's how these things work. <laughs> Enjoy Top Gun Maverick, Bryce. <laughs> Look forward to hearing your thoughts about it. And wherever you are, if you're playing golf, do enjoy. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. For-